Hey everyone, this is Logan Chin, host of the new podcast affiliated with the Tufts Daily, Senior Soliloquies. Every episode, a senior will sit down with me for about 30 to 40 minutes and reflect on their time at Tufts and the last four years of their lives. You know, as seniors, we've all had such unique and diverse college experiences. And I want you to think of these recorded conversations as sort of a audio time capsule in which seniors express themselves and can talk about whatever they really want, be it their social experience at Tufts or their experience with certain clubs or their passions more generally or even their hopes for the future. This week's guest is Gaia Santoro Lakini. In our conversation, Gaia reflects on her experience as a transfer student, her time at Tufts as an anthro major, and her ambitions for instigating change and entering the world of activism after graduation. I want to personally thank Gaia for such an insightful conversation, not only because she speaks very well, but also because you know she's the first ever guest on the show. If you have a story to tell, and would like to appear on Senior Soliloquies, there will be a link to a Google form in the description that you can fill out. And with that all said, enjoy the conversation. Okay, Gaia, thank you for coming out to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, this is going to be a really special opportunity to sort of reflect on the last four years or so at Tufts and in your life, generally speaking. Um, but before we get to that, can you just give me your quick 15 to 20 second pitch of like who you are, where you're from, what's your major interests, etc.? My name is Gaia Santoro Lakini. I am from Portland, Maine, and I am a transfer, actually, technically. Um, so this is my third year at Tufts, although I'm a senior, and I am studying anthropology. And you did mention that you're a transfer student, and I'm also a transfer student, as you already know, <laughs> and the transfer experience is definitely unique. So uh, take me back to like the very beginning of like when you first decided to transfer to Tufts. Well, firstly, why did you transfer? Yeah, so I was at Smith College, um, which is a traditionally all-women's college in Western Mass. And I toured Smith, and I just, I liked the vibe. And I said, I guess this is the one, and I applied. And I didn't think much more about it. I mean, I was definitely excited about the traditionally all-women's thing. Um, I, and that was definitely, on. that was like the peaks and the lows. Um, I loved being in those classes where it felt just very kind of empowering. But then at the same time, I think it ne wasn't necessarily the social scene that I was looking for. Um, luckily, I've met two of my best friends ever, um, and we're still really good friends to this day. What are their names? Give them shout-outs. I'll give them shout-out. Izzy, um, D'Amico, and Isabel Colco. Um, shout-out Izzy Isabels. and Isabel. Love them so much. They really, We really pushed each other through that year. Um, but all three of us were just not really, maybe maybe it was a problem that we all <laughs> weren't exactly loving it there and we kind of fed off that maybe, but it was also nice to have people to like talk to about it. And we all basically decided 
to leave. Um, so the transfer process in a similar way to when I was originally applying was just like, I'm sure you feel the same, just like a crapshoot. Mm-hmm. I just, I wanted to get out. I didn't really know where. I didn't really know exactly what I was looking for. Um, I just knew I wanted something a little different. And Tufts was pretty different. It was, it was a lot bigger. I mean, by a couple thousand. It was close to a city. And so... There wasn't much more thinking than that. I really wish there was, um, but I applied to a couple schools, got into Tufts, and now I'm here. And obviously around that time, the elephant in the room was that we are in the midst of a global pandemic. Right. I remember in the summer um, getting prepared to go to Tufts and seeing the email that the social situation would be like this weird system where you'd have your own pod Mm -hmm. and those be the only people with whom you can interact. Um, And for me personally, that was a big deal because, you know, one of our first priorities among coming to Tufts was to find ourselves socially. Right. So how did you find that sophomore year generally? I found it very hard, honestly, that sophomore year. Um, I'll say that a lot of people were so lovely. I had I had so many lunches and dinners with so many random people. And I'm really grateful for every opportunity, honestly, and how like warm a lot of people were. Um, but at the same time, I wonder if it, I, I mean, obviously it would be different if we came in without a pandemic, but at the same time, like people have their friend groups going in. Mm-hmm. And I think with the pandemic, that kind of just solidified because it was hard to get out of those. It was hard to meet new people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so as much as I had all these different lunches, they usually were this one-off thing and um, and to no one's fault. It just, people had found their people. And so... My people were the transfers. That's how I met you. And I loved the transfers. I mean, in a lot of ways, I think we we were a cool group. Um, it's, a, it's funny because I think we all kind of knew, like, we were in this group out of just chance. Um, but everyone was lovely. And I, of course, I've made really great friends because of that, like you. Um, but, I mean, I think I felt pretty isolated my sophomore year. I... Um, we couldn't go anywhere. We couldn't do much. We, like, it was pretty sad to have a Friday night just <laughs> drinking in a Harleston, like, double. Um, it got a little old after, yeah. like, week four. Yeah, exactly. Pong can only get you so far. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, obviously, sophomore year was difficult for all of us, particularly for transfer students. As we got to junior year, uh, the restrictions relaxed quite significantly. I think you are in an interesting situation because you went abroad Mm. uh, the second semester of your junior year. Mm -hmm. So maybe from just the social perspective, how did you find that junior year now that we could do more, but also knowing that you were going to go abroad and meet completely new people abroad? Yeah, this is okay. I think, I mean, abroad was like, so much fun. I can't, I can't, I can't lie on that front just because, I mean, it's hard for it not to be. Yeah, of course. Um, but I think the problem that I was having is I knew plenty of people like that was not the problem. And I mean, I have like lovely friends across this campus, but I think maybe what I was struggling with was, um, how, 
like disconnected those people were in a sense. Like I had a lot of friends from who themselves were in different friend groups. And I, it's not that I was excluded from those groups, but they, they were group. And so it would be this thing, like my first semester junior year, where it's not that I didn't feel like I had people, but I didn't really know who to like call up if I wanted to like just go study or something mm-hmm. or like just like not not it be like, oh, let's go get lunch or like let's go do a thing, like an official plan, just someone who you could chill out with and not like make it be. It doesn't have to be this thing. Um, and I felt like I didn't really have that. And that was, um, probably the hardest part. Not, I mean, it's a weird one cause I wasn't like at that point isolated or like, you know, it's not that I didn't have friends. I just didn't feel like I had the bubble that like, I guess I'd been accustomed to in high school and that first year of college where like you just have those go-to friends. Do you think that's a product of transferring? Yeah. I think I also, I think I used to have a perception of myself that I was way more outgoing than I actually am. (laughs) I thought I was so nice with it. I really did. Um, And then, I I mean, at the same time, like, the pandemic was exhausting. I think we all were tired, you know. Um, And as a transfer, like, it would be this thing of, okay, am I going to just, like, chill out for a second or should I, like, definitely go to the social thing and, like, make friends? You know what I mean? Like, it was – I felt by the end of sophomore year and beginning and that first semester junior year, I just felt like I was really trying. And I was tired and I – I don't know where I'm going with that. But just not as outgoing maybe as I thought I'd be. And so I was nervous going abroad because I didn't want to miss out on more time at Tufts. But then at the same time, I think – Actually, it really benefited me because I got to get really close to a couple more tough students that I otherwise would not have met. Um, and now when now being back here, those are the people that like I can just chill out with and because we've had this whole kind of history and doesn't have to be like a thing to hang out with them. So um, hmm. I'm really grateful for I didn't get to practice my Spanish that much. <laughs> I was in Spain, but I was just hanging out with all these tough kids, which in that way, like, wish I'd practiced more. Um, but I just made really good friends and had, like, fun experiences that you otherwise don't really get to have. And so now that we're in senior year, I think among seniors, there is overlooming our head a sense of inevitability, almost. We all have our friends. There's some people we know that we'll be closer with upon graduation. Some people we know that we'll you know lose touch with. Regardless of that, we're all going to graduate. Do you think that has changed how we interact socially maybe i you know what i don't know i think for a lot of us it almost hasn't like really settled in that this is the last semester right yeah know? or it's beginning to settle in now yeah because we're recording on february 1st 3rd 2023 oh so we God. still have a you know two three more months yeah but it is like that's only a couple more months yeah and then we're just done And that's a crazy, it does, it is crazy to me. Um, I mean, in that way, like, that's all I talk about with a lot of friends. Like, that is a constant conversation topic. Um, I don't know. I wonder. I think maybe some people, I could imagine some people, like, want to, they're like, oh, this is my final semester. I want to really expand and do new things before I graduate, Mm -hmm. use all the resources, and then other people might just be committed to, like, this is the last semester I want to hang out with my friends and only the people that I've been with. 
I can't, I honestly, I think I'm about the same. What advice would you give to a freshman? I think I came, I think one of the things that I've really learned throughout my time here is like, don't go in with an idea of like who it is you want to meet. Just meet people. Like, I think I came in thinking I want like this kind of category of people, like, I don't know, you can go, it can be whatever. Like some people would say, oh, I really want like the outdoorsy type of people or I really want whatever. That's, I found, I think I discounted a lot of people that I otherwise would have really like loved to get to know and hang out with. And I think just because, not like that I didn't think they were cool or not because I didn't think they were nice, but just because they weren't like the idea that I had in my head of who I would be friends with. I discounted them and I think that was really limiting I think when you're if you're a freshman and you're like one if you're worried about who's gonna perceive you like weirdly or negatively or whatever just don't like that's the other thing I've learned is people are so in their own heads like no one's thinking about you Mm -hmm. and some people might find that sad but at the same time that can be pretty liberating when you realize like whatever you do and you think other people are paying attention to, they're most likely not. And even if they are like, who, like, what are they going to do? <laughs> yeah. So I think the biggest thing is like, be friends with any, like, don't, don't just, don't limit yourself in terms of like who you think you'd be friends with. Um, and that might be just me specific, but I totally came in and had that shattered because I'm friends with a lot of different people that I wouldn't have thought mm-hmm. I originally would have been. Okay, so let's move on to academics briefly. All right. You're an anthro major. Has Tufts fostered or further developed your love for anthropology? Absolutely. And so I went into college really interested in, I'm using air quotes, solving the climate change crisis. Like, I was was committed to that. And so... The first semester of college, I took a couple classes, and I literally thought the problem with climate change was that we didn't know how to solve it. Like, I thought the science had not gotten there. And I quickly learned in my environmental science 101, like, that's not the issue. Mm -hmm. The science is there. We know what to do in a lot of very, like, detailed ways. It's far more the social side of, like, actually getting this stuff through. Like, the policies, the literally just convincing people that it's important and that we can do it and that it's real even at some points. And so that was, like, that was a pretty big moment for me when I realized, like, oh, we actually do know what to do. We're just not doing it. And I, like, fell into – I freaked out. (laughs) Like, I didn't – I was so – I really did not know that when I got to college. And so then I was just kind of in this free fall of like, holy shit, well, then what do we do? Like, if we do have the answers, but we're not really implementing them, what are the answers that we don't have? And so then I took a sociology course and I took an anthropology course at the same time, thinking, okay, maybe the answer, or it seems to be more social. It seems to be we actually need to like figure out how to implement this stuff and that takes humans and <laughs> just talking to each other mm-hmm. and so I my that anthropology course just like it 
suddenly clicked what that what they what we were studying was understanding why people disagree and why there are these variances between people and why for example someone might not believe in climate change versus someone being like very pro you know fighting climate change and I realized that it was a course of study that could really answer these like very specific questions and um, the whole idea I mean I think a lot of people have this perception of anthropology as this like kind of old-fashioned you go study some community that has honestly no interest in talking to you but because of the powers that be they like have to Mm -hmm. you know and um that's super not i mean i think anthropology still has those aspects for sure um but there's a whole new side to it which is like studying the here like where you're from and the society that you've grown up in and the culture that you've grown up in and um those classes with alex blanchett for example are all about like modern systems that are really wide but like you study them it gets a little broad but like you study one phenomenon like let's say a whole economic system and you get to study it in like an american cultural setting and then you also get to study it in like a chinese cultural setting and you get to see how that one thing translates in different places and i found that so crazy because like we all talk about this stuff right like we all make references to like the economy but like everywhere that what that word even means is so varied and so like if we're even going to have a conversation about it we have to understand where people are coming from and like what the different ideas are and it just like that it opened my mind to this i really i switched up really quickly from going from being like a government environmental science major to being like an anthropology major, which just felt like really crazy just because like who gets who <laughs> who gets a job from that. But it seemed like the one thing that really could kind of lead me to understand uh, how to get things done almost mm-hmm. like how to actually talk to people and work towards a better future. You mentioned a few professors, Mm -hmm. if you can. Can you name a couple of their courses that you think people who are interested in that line of thought ought to take? Absolutely. Environment, Communication, and Culture with Ninian Stein. That class was amazing just because, obviously, an environmental interest is, like, could be really helpful for a course like that. But even if you aren't really interested in the environment it's just an incredible course to make you understand how people how are we told about the problems of the world like who's telling these problems uh to us who's describing them like what are the different powers at play and then anthropology of capitalism that class to this day i don't think i've ever felt so just like invigorated honestly by a class i that's alex blanchett um and i think what is incredible about that class is it actually addresses i think a lot of what we talk about as a generation our worries our anxieties about like whether it's social media whether it's climate whether it's 
hustle culture, <laughs> all of this stuff was explored in a way that I had never found before. Again, you look at one thing, you think of, let's say, hustle culture, and then you look at hustle culture in Bronx, New York, versus Berlin, yeah. <laughs> you know, like two very different ideas of what hustle culture is. Mm -hmm. Anyway, um, that one really got me, like has kind of transformed my whole, what I actually study in anthropology and what I want to do after, because I think I really understood from that class that a lot of the root of our problems is capitalism. And so, you know, I came in to college with the idea that I wanted to solve climate change, right? Big goal. And then I wanted to figure out kind of how to do that. And as I just kept on taking courses, it all kept on coming back to this word capitalism and like the different social structures that it creates and the different like ways that we value things, whether that's like profit versus uh, social health, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, like it really to me was just one of those things that like cracked the world wide open of like why things are going wrong. I'm glad you mentioned like using this knowledge and this worldview for the future. But before we get to that, I want you to reflect on the past four years generally from freshman year till now. How do you think you've grown? Okay, one, the studies, obviously, just like, I, I think so differently to how I thought at the beginning of my college experience. As I've developed and, and just read from all my classes, I, like my political ideology has really, really like come into itself. I have so much to learn still, obviously, and I am like really excited to do that. I'm sad to graduate. There's so many more classes that I want to take that I think would completely maybe transform how I think. But totally, politically, I think I've really, really changed, and that's due to my classes. And then also I think I'm a little bit more sure of myself. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, and I think that just comes with age, and that comes with... Um, experience and I think coming in having two freshman years is what it kind of felt like with that transferring and you know freshman year is terrifying like you're trying to make it work you're trying to really establish kind of who you are you almost feel I feel like in freshman year we really had this idea that we had to know exactly what we wanted to do like almost everyone was saying oh well no don't worry like your trajectory will, can change in college but I think there was just this worry that, like, you know, we weren't going to be the people who we wanted to be or something or study what we wanted to study. And I think I'm just a lot more, like, sure of myself in terms of not feeling like I have to prove myself as much, both to myself and to other people. Um, like you said, this whole idea of if I just don't want to be that social and I just want to stay in, I can do that. Like, no one's gonna, no one's gonna think I'm weird for that. Or like, I'm just a lot more confident that I can do what I want to do and like, no one's gonna care. <laughs> and obviously that's not to say like, I have friends who will, I have, people are there to look out for me in that sense. But like, it really, I think the biggest lesson is people are in their own heads. Like, and mm -hmm. that's great. And at some points it can be, a little scary to think about how like self-involved we all are which is a sounds like a mean word but I mean more so like we're worried about our own shit <laughs> like, yeah. and that's so fair and so like when you're walking around thinking that 
like people are worried like thinking about you or like you've done an embarrassing thing or stuff I think the biggest thing I've realized is like no one is doing that for the most part and if they are they're totally not the kind of people you want to really be with and on the point of being more sure of yourself I mean just thinking back like two three years ago I don't know I just felt like we were all floundering Mm -hmm. you know like almost like screaming into a void Mm. for someone to like give us validation um, and now I think we know our self-worth in a way that's much more healthy. Yeah. And I would say, like, I still do that. Like, yeah. I'm not, like, 100% out here. I still am trying desperately to figure out, like, what it is I actually want to do and, like, who I actually want to be for sure. But I think I'm more sure that, like, that will happen, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. Um, I think – the anxiety of like it won't happen and I'll be forever lost is way, way lower. I'm still worried. Like I'm still trying to figure it out much more in the terms of like I'm graduating and kind of need to get a job. (laughs) But in terms of like freaking out and thinking that I'll never find what I actually want to do, I'm I'm less worried about that because at the end of my, at the end of college, I've figured out what I've liked to study, I have kind of just grown into myself a bit more, and I'm sure that'll just keep happening. So maybe on that note, we can move on to the future. And I'm putting that also in air quotes because, <laughs> yeah, it's it's a, it's a scary idea, um, especially for seniors. Do you have any – maybe we can use, like, the next 10 years as a frame of reference. Do you have any ambitions or goals or – Anything like that? Yeah, I do. I they're I don't, I hate that they're embarrassing. I don't want them to be embarrassing. I really don't because I think that they're very valid goals. In some ways, I wish I was like twenty two in the sixties, <laughs> <laughs> in the sense of like I really want to find people who are ready to like challenge the system. The thing I just like hope for these next 10 years is to find people who like I can not feel like what I'm saying is like too radical or crazy or uh and I I don't think I'm gonna get paid much which is scary (laughs) I don't think I'm gonna get have much of like an income I think I'm gonna that's what honestly worries me a lot is that the path I'm going down I I really don't think there's much money in and I think that that's both a very, like, like in terms of my physical life, like, that's a, that's a big deal, obviously. Mm-hmm. But other than that, there's not much else stopping me. I think I'm a privileged person, and in that way, like, I want to use what I've got to get as far as I can in a, in a way that maybe someone who doesn't have the kind of financial privileges that I do. This sort of... Go, it relates to your previous remark about trusting yourself and knowing that things will work out. I think you need to trust that. You'll find that space. It may not be the space that mirrors your exact, how you envision it to be right now, mm-hmm. but you'll find the lane. Yeah. You know? Yeah, um, I hope so. I know. Yeah, I think you're right. It's not like when I say I know it'll happen, that doesn't mean I don't have to work hard for it. Like, mm-hmm. that's not how that works. But more so trusting that like there's so many different paths to that there's like this perception that you have to do xyz to get to where you want to be whereas like now it's a bit more okay i can do this and if it doesn't work out there's something else (laughs) on a concrete level this is like a 
like a pretty sharp binary I've observed among people, you among seniors. Mm. Seniors are either playing to like travel or like do something that doesn't confer stability in the traditional sense mm-hmm. right after they graduate, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know, go biking across the country or yeah. hike yeah. some crazy mountain or, you know, backpack across Europe, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. There are also those who are, you know, going to the workforce right away. Right. Do you see yourself doing either of those things? I totally wanted to do the whole, like, backpack across Europe thing with the friends. And I still want to. Like, I hope to do that at some point. Um, But I also think, like, I just want to get some experience under my belt a bit. I'm a little nervous. Like, this this track that I'm choosing, uh, it's weird because there's not, like, this position I'm working up to, maybe. It's just a general idea of, like, a passion that I want to follow, mm-hmm. but it's not like there's a position that I can really like build experience up to, I guess. Maybe there is, and I just don't know it. Um, but I just, I feel nervous to go to Europe and like travel for three months and then come back and feel like I'm at square one again, if that makes sense. Not that, not that that's true. Like you're going to learn so much on those three months. And like, I think personal growth is very important as well. But when it comes to literally like, okay, dang, I have the same resume. (laughs) Like, I still got to do this process. I think I kind of want to at least get, like, a year in there where I have created the beginning of my path. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I also – I think something I talk about with a lot of my senior friends is, like, you don't want to get stuck, you know? That's the terrifying thing about, like, not – like, it seems that if you graduate – And then you don't travel, you don't, like, explore and stuff, and you go into a job, there's this fear, like, what if I'm there for the next seven fucking years? And And it just passes by just like that. Yes, yes. And that's the narrative. Like, you see that in so many different movies, or your parents warn you of that, or whatever. Like, that's totally... I think it happens, honestly. I think it happens. I think we can't, like, lie to ourselves and say, like, oh, no, I'll get out of it. Like, Mm -hmm. you might, and you... And if you really stick to it, you really... I. I'm not, it's not like you can't, but I think that's a genuine worry of like where, once you start, where do you stop? And like, I think also we are graduating into an increasingly really competitive world. Part of me thinks we can't let that limit ourselves and like not go out and have fun and think like life won't wait for us. But then at the same time, I think I'd be like, naive to say that that isn't a fear that like if you don't start will people kind of take like pass you you know just last couple questions maybe on like a personal level in terms of your own personal development do you have any like goals or ambitions or anything like that i want to i hope when i graduate i keep reading Mm -hmm. absolutely like i gotta keep reading um i want to i want to be one of those people with like crazy bookshelves yeah Um, it's a flex (laughs) (laughs) it's a total flex but i actually want to read them right (laughs) right right. i feel like i've seen okay see i I just want i just want the books on the shelves i'll be honest yeah and that's totally fair (laughs) i mean that's probably partly my thing i want to keep reading totally that's a huge goal um and then i don't want to lose 
the commitment that I have right now to what I'm passionate about, you know, I kind of said that broadly as like challenging the system, whatever that means. But like, this is partly why I say the reading thing. Like so many of my classes, the reason I'm still excited about this is because I read and I learn about this stuff and like, it's still so there in Mm -hmm. front of me. And I'm worried that I'll graduate and whether it's studying or whether it's, you know, traveling in Europe or it's starting that job life, I'm worried that I'll get sidetracked from the thing that right now has like pushed me through those social woes and has like, you know, it's really been the kind of thing that has made these years like the most exciting. Mm -hmm. And I just hope that because I'm not having it kind of in a way spoon fed to me, just because like I have to go to these classes. I hope that I still am like committed to to doing it. At the end of every show, I asked the guest if they could choose one song that they would associate with. It doesn't have to be that deep. It could just be a song that you're listening to right now that you really fuck with. Mm-hmm. But the idea is to take everyone's songs and put it in a Spotify playlist. Oh so, my god. Okay, I will say, and I think I gotta I gotta give you some credit for this. My my college career has been the time when I really found music. Mm. I think high school for me was like totally I just listened to what everyone else listened to and that was a lot of like trap music. Uh and not that I, you know Trap music's lit. They're lit it's lit, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Yeah. Um I still I love it. But um in college, like y- the fucking Beatles. Like, I had never listened to the Beatles. And Mac Miller, never listened to Mac Miller. Frank Ocean, I had never listened to really? Frank Ocean. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I really was, like, limited in my music. Hmm. And I and I think something that I realized in college with this music thing was, like, it can, music can be so much more than just, like, something you dance to or, like, it's not only about, like, getting yourself hype, which was all these trap music things. Like, I totally found that there's so many different moods that music can put you in and that can support a mood and like so many different things you can do. I think my favorite song is Summertime by Janis Joplin. Summertime's a beautiful song. I love that song. I but that's a song that I had before college, I must say. That's, that's like, fine. It's been a consist I think that's like a life song. Well, if it represents you, that that's what matters. <laughs> you know what? Then sure. I love summertime. I think it's I love how crazy Janis Joplin is, and yeah. I love how beautiful and weird of a song it is sometimes. That's fantastic. Well, Gaia, thank you so much for being on the show and speaking with me this Friday morning. Um, I hope you had a good time. I had so much fun. I almost wish I got to interview you back. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, like, I've totally enjoyed speaking, but I also I feel like a lot of these points you got you got cool stuff to say. I appreciate that. Maybe that can happen one day. <laughs> uh, but for now, I mean, this episode is about you. And fittingly, we're going to finish it by playing Summertime by Janis Joplin. Thank you, Logan. Okay, this is Logan here. Um, <laughs> just doing the editing. And I realized that I unfortunately cannot play Summertime because of copyright reasons. Nonetheless, you should check out the playlist because as I have more guests on... Um, the playlist will expand and it will be a nice little compilation of everyone's favorite song. But yeah, anyway, thanks for listening.